All right, my name is Julie Sukup, and I'm here with another episode of Take One Patient. I am so excited to be talking today with Dr. Tanya Osborne McKenzie. She has a wealth of experience and knowledge, um, and is currently the CNO of MLK Community Healthcare. Um, but a lot of education, a lot of different roles, and a lot of work has kind of gotten into where you are today. So I would love to first um, have you just talk a little bit about your experience and really kind of um, what got you to, to where you are at your current role now. Okay, thank you, Julie. Um, as you said, I'm Tanya. I am um, a nurse, and I started nursing about 32 years ago. I um, did not want to be a nurse. And in fact, my plan was to be a nurse until I figured out what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I actually had lots of opportunities to go to school and went kicking and screaming until, until finally I just decided, you know, all of the, I had all the prerequisites. So I went ahead and got into the nursing program. But that was the plan to um, start there, figure out what I wanted to do. Um, when I started as a nurse at the bedside, I worked in the ICU. I took care of critically ill patients and actually started to really enjoy what I was doing. I also um, started doing some other things. I did adjunct faculty, um, teaching folks in clinical space. I also um, started teaching classes at the hospital. Um, um, ACLS, BLS, different types of classes to um, my peers. Um, and really just started really enjoying the work that I did. Um, I continued at the bedside. I go to work sometimes, you know, you go to work and you look at people and you're thinking, mm, I wouldn't do that. Oh, I shouldn't do that. So I actually talked to my mom who lived with me at the time and I would go home and I would complain, well, you know, they did this, they did that. And what she told me was, you know, Tanya, you need to be like Gandhi. You need to be the change you want to be or you need to be quiet. And so that's what really made me decide, you know, instead of complaining, what can I do? And um, I applied um, uh, for a director position for my first um, real um, formal leadership role. And um, when I applied for that position, I, um, and I didn't get it, right? I, I applied for a director position, I did not get it. I felt like I really should have, yeah. I, I felt like I really should have got it. And so after um, you go through feeling sorry for yourself, I went back to a, a friend and colleague of mine who was on the interview panel. And I asked her um, what, what happened. And she said, we really thought you would do a great job, but you know what, you behaved like what you were, is a really strong clinician, but you didn't, you looked as if you had not seen the job description at all. So it's like, oh, okay. So I went back to my life. I'd started going back to school to get my baccalaureate degree. Um, and about 18 months later, another director position opened up. And at that point, um, I, one of the floors that I was teaching on, their leadership, um, the um, assistant nurses there, the assistant head nurses there, their educator, their case manager, they called me up to meet with them. So um, I went up to meet with them and they asked me if I would apply for the director job um, on that floor. And um, I, part of it, you know, still feeling a little, um, disappointed that I didn't get the first opportunity that I applied for, but also um, what I told them was, and this was factual, it was a joint replacement spine and post-op floor. And I said, I don't know orthopedics. I worked critical care. Okay. And um, Lourdes, who was the educator, she told me, she said, um, we have orthopedic nurses, we need a leader. Yeah. And between what I was told by my friend and colleague before and what Lourdes just told me there, and finally I had this epiphany that leadership is an that's a specialty in and of itself and I was looking at it all wrong I mean and so that's when I really started to understand leadership is a specialty and there's a certain set of skills that you have to have to be a good leader 
Um, And so with that, I did apply for that position. I was awarded that position. And so um, we had, uh, I was um, the director. So I went from literally that Friday, I had an open heart surgical patient I was taking care of. And that Monday, I was now the director of what was really a joint spine and post-op floor. I missed some steps in there. So I, you know, I was never, um, I did relief charge, but I was never a formal charge nurse. I was not an assistant manager or manager. I went from a staff nurse to a director. So there were some gaps in my education, right? Yeah. There were some, some gaps there in my knowledge. And so um, I continued my education. So I finished my baccalaureate degree um, and then I went to get my master's. And I decided I wanted to honor nursing and wanted to make sure I um, obtained the master's in nursing. But I also recognized at the time that um, nurses, one of the things that we could be a little stronger in is being able to make a business case for quality. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to be able to understand um, the business part of it. So I also got a <laughs> business administration. So I, I, I earned a, a MBA as well. Um, and then um, one is I'm kind of a nerd. I just enjoy school, but also wanted to ensure that I really understood my job and, and the role and um, decided I would go back to school to get a a doctorate. And at the time, I was interested in getting a PhD. Um, but the PhD is really about research. And the work that I do is in the practice arena. And so spoke to um, um, some friends and colleagues, and they talked to me about doctorate in nursing practice, a DNP. Mm-hmm. And um, that focus is really around um, putting the research into practice, into, right. into the environment. Um, so that was really interesting to me. Um, and the University of San Francisco has an executive leadership doctorate in nursing practice degree. And so that's actually what I, where I went and that's what I earned as a, um, my executive leadership DNP. Um, some of the um, benefits of that, because I get a lot of times people say, well, what, what is the DNP and what do you do? What do you learn? But some of the things besides um, there's foundational knowledge, right, in executive leadership, um, there's also um, uh, finance at a higher level and um, lots of work around change management, because if you're going to um, um, bring that research into practice, you actually have to understand um, the steps in change management. You um, And especially, uh, right, we want to use the evidence, the science that, that we want to not just conjecture and this is what I think, but yeah. actually here is really the evidence that shows if you do this, you will get the outcomes that you want. So um, I... Um, after I graduated with my DNP, I um, switched jobs because I, I just really wanted to see if I could replicate what I had done at the first hospital to the next hospital. Um, and um, I, w- I, I felt like I was successful there. Um, and then there was an opportunity at Barrow Neurological Institute, which you know is world famous. And, um, and so I transferred to, I went to work there at St. Joseph's um, to be the senior director at Barrow Neurological Institute, senior director of their neuroscience nursing. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was really a, um, a great place to be. I love Barrow, cannot ever say enough of that, good things about the um, level of, of um, caring for the patient as well as the level of, of science that they want to bring to that area, um, the innovation that we have there. Um, it's just, it was a fascinating place. Uh, we went through, as soon as we, as soon as I got there, I think five months later, we went through COVID. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, while I was there, um, I um, shifted and I was um, very um, honored to be um, given the assistant chief nursing officer a position for um, St. Joseph's Hospital, which Barrow is a part of. Um, and then while I was there, I really 
thought a lot about the fact that um, I've been doing, I've been in leadership for a long time and I always thought I would, I was happy as a director, but then I realized that, you know, there was a little bit of, um, you know, imposter syndromes of sort of like, how did someone who came, who started this journey um, as an ADN grad, right. how do I, how can I imagine myself um, being a chief nursing officer someplace? Um, and, uh, but then I, at, that point, I started to realize I could do it. And not only could I do it, but I should do it. Right. Um, and so um, really wasn't actively looking for a role. However, and that's the way life is, right? Um, what happened was this this role here, um, uh, I knew someone who had been at this hospital before um, and had told, talked to me about the hospital and what they were doing at Martin Luther King um, Community Hospital here in, in um, LA. Mm-hmm. And uh, where I'm at, this community, there's a desert of physicians. They We could actually use at least 1,200 more physicians in this oh, wow. area, in this community, which we don't have. Um, and this is a, um, MLKCH is a, a a private public partnership. And the goal is to care for the patients in this underserved community. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Batchelor, who is our CEO here, very much committed to um, um, providing the same level of care here in the safety net hospital in this community that people would find in any other hospital in a more affluent neighborhood. Um, and to that end, we are um, working on um, achieving magnet, which is a um, nursing excellence uh, that some people may not expect to see in a hospital like this. We've recently just received the Joint Commission's um, uh, certification for advanced diabetes care, which less than 70 hospitals, not safety net hospitals, but less than 70 hospitals in the country have that um, designation. So um, we are very much um, on a journey to um, provide excellent care to the folks in this community people you would think would need it the most. We've just started um, a street medicine program. So we go out on the streets to take care of patients who are unhoused. Um, so this is um, one of the things some folks, you know, it's a, it's a relatively small hospital, it's a 131 bed hospital. So people, um, you know, I've had some people say, oh my gosh, you're moving from this big hospital to this smaller hospital. And I like to tell people it's a smaller hospital, but it's a really big job. It is a really big job. Yeah. Well, and, and, and um, I mean, especially now that you're starting to be able to have um, a different perspective from, you know, even Barrow to a situation such as that, um, mm-hmm. you know, and bringing that kind of wealth of knowledge of different ways to start implementing and making changes in places, a hospital that maybe didn't really have that kind of focus before. Mm-hmm. So you've really talked when we had spoken before, and I thought it was really, um, you know, spot on as far as like to for for other people that are really looking at okay I might not have a chief nursing officer role I I was a director or things along those lines but I do want to start having an impact I do want to implement something I want to try something out Mm -hmm. um especially for you know we we had met you with with working with medical memory with with Mm -hmm. St. Joe's and which is that HIPAA compliant app for video recording patients um, so even we have a lot of directors that are like, okay, like I want to, I want to do this or I want to do something even different. Um, what are, you kind of talked about some of the steps that you go through um, when looking at, at trying to implement something. Talk a little bit more about that and, and what you've learned, um, even for someone that's a director that wanted to kind of start doing some of those things or a nurse wanting to start trying out something new. Right, right. So one of the things when, um, uh, in terms of 
my job, and this is what when I was a director as well as now, um, because I, I did get my doctorate while I was a director. I've had it for about um, 10 years now. But one of the things that we focused on, uh, that we really focus on with that DNP is, is pulling that science into, pulling that research into the, um, the workplace. Um, and and it's some basic, um, uh, a process, a basic process for um, um, improving or, or making changes is really first understanding the reason for the change. Really, why is it that, why is it? I'm going to do this, but the so what? I'll, I'll give you an example. Since you did bring up medical memory, um, when I was at Barrow, we decided that, um, uh, you know, we know that there's a lot of research that talks about the patient experience and how it is related, directly related to patient outcomes, right? So um, if I improve the patient's experience, then I can improve the patient outcomes. And if you're a nurse, um, as a nurse, we know that our job is literally, and I think it's um, the ANA policy statement actually says that nursing is the diagnosis and treatment of the human response um, to actual or potential healthcare problems and, or needs. So if our job as nurses is to diagnose and then treat um, the human response to any healthcare problems or needs, and we want to make sure that we do that, then we need to use the science. And if the science then says that um, patient experience is directly related to outcomes, if we improve the patient experience, we improve their outcomes, then we actually have to figure out how are we going to do that. Yeah. So starting with what's our reason for action, our reason for action is to improve the patient experience so that we can have better outcomes, we can improve our patient outcomes, which is something every place wants to do. Of course, we wanted to do that barrel. Right. And then you look at what your current state is and what your target state is. In this case, it's easy because we have HCAP scores, which most hospitals will look at. So we um, targeted one part of our HCAP scores, which was um, RN communication. So we wanted to improve the nurse's communication with the patients, because if we could improve the nursing communication with the patients, so if you think of just building relationships with the patients, the patients feel more comfortable telling the nurses or their physicians um, what is happening with them, what their needs are. They're also more open to um, listening to us and, and helping and collaborating with us to um, help improve their care, right? right? So we look at what's our reason for action, we look at our current state, and then what our target state was. So in this case, we looked at what our current state was for um, um, overall, our composite percentile, how people um, wanted, you know, would they want to come back? Would they recommend being at Barrow? Recommend right. being on those units? And then we looked at our um, current state of communication with nurses in general for, um, I mean, specifically for our HCAP scores for each of the units. So then you look at the gaps. What are the gaps? Well, one of the gaps was that um, it was hard to um, time when um, the families for those patients would be there and when the nurse would be in the room or when the families were there and the, um, the doctors would be there. Another one of the gaps is that we knew that people forget about, 40, you know, they remember about 40% of what you tell them in the hospital, right? You're not at home, you're sleep deprived, you're actually in the hospital because you're sick and you're stressed. You don't remember a lot of what's going on. So um, some of the science, we looked at what was happening with the physicians who were currently using medical memory. And we looked at the data and the physicians that were using medical memory, their individual um, uh, patient experience scores were vastly higher than what we saw with the physicians who weren't using medical memory. So we believe that if we used medical memory for nursing, that we would get that same result. Yeah. So our we did a PDSA, which basically was um, 
we started to sign, we started to register the patients who were on those, um, um, on our units in Barrow. Uh, we would register them with medical memory. And then the expectation was that the nurses would every day would just give one small, like one minute medical memory um, update. So they would do one video. Often they'd be in the room with the patient. They'd have the um, medical memory camera on the patient and they would say, you know, I'm making this up, but something like, this is um, your mother today. She slept well last night. Today, she's gonna have a CT scan. The doctor will be in later to give her the results. Just really brief. Right. Sometimes the, the message was something like, um, I remember this one where this one uh, um, patient that they changed the time of the patient's um, surgery. And the nurse just put up a, a video showing that patient and saying that, um, you know, the, your mother's um, time for surgery was changed. It's going to be an hour and a half earlier, right? That was it. But that was one of the, the videos that um, we received the most um, input about because the family was so grateful just to get that, to get that information. Yeah. The interesting thing about doing this was, I told you I started working at um, Barrow at um, St. Joseph's in 2020. Yeah. Um, I started working five months before the pandemic started. So the, the interesting thing about this, and this is why it is so important to let, let um, science and use a strong change management process to guide what you do, because right as we started this, COVID happened. And if you remember when that first started, we didn't let anybody in the hospital, no one. So if you look nationally, most everybody's um, scores for communication dropped. In this case, and the remarkable thing about this was our scores actually went up. Yeah. So I know specifically for um, those med surge telefloors where uh, we started with a baseline um, in neural telemetry, we, um, our average was uh, both communication uh, with nurses, our average was 16% and it actually went up to 45% by, um, by the end of the year. So, um, using the science, understanding where the gaps are, having a strong implementation process. Those are the kind of things with change management that really helps um, a great deal. And it's something that we um, definitely learned during that time. But um, a lot of that is where, what I learned from the experience and also just, um, you know, and from school, to be honest. Yeah. That well, I think it, it breaks it down. And you, I mean, into just, as you said, as it was, you know, starting with the patient, having your why is great. Like, great. This is why I want to do it. But taking that, okay, well, what is the business case? And and hospitals are still a business. You know, people don't want to yeah, be like, oh, absolutely. man, but it, it still is. Is Well, what is the value it's going to provide? And, and what yeah. is the financial benefits going to provide? And if you're um, saying, you know, patient-centered and patient-focused with that, you know, it's easy to kind of build the, the business back. Versus yes. just, oh, it's impulse and this would be great. And so yes. leveraging HCAPs or leveraging, you know, um, you know, patients readmissions or outcomes or anything mm -hmm. like that. What's what's the business there? And I think those kind of even backwards steps I'm almost visualizing um, really helps it support more of that leadership as a practice of, well, what's the why even try it? Not just for the patient, but why to try it for a hospital. Exactly. Exactly. There's a book that I read. Um, it's called um, So Good You Can't Ignore. So Good you, They Can't Ignore You. And the reason that I think of that book, I think about back when I first started nursing and I absolutely did not want to be a nurse. And um, so what he and I can't remember the author's name, but what he um, posits is that um, 
one of the things that we have right now, everybody wants to have a job that they are passionate about. And people feel like they have to have a job that they're passionate about. And, um, you know, for example, my husband, if he had a job that he was passionate about, he would be a professional golfer. He's passionate about golfer. He's not great at golfing, right? Yeah. So we would be hungry. <laughs> but what this author posits is that if you are, um, if you start um, what work you're in right now, whatever work you're in, the more you learn about it, the more you get interested in it, the more you learn about it, the more you become an expert in that area, and the more people start to ask you about it and, and um, um, ask you to offer them your expertise, the more you actually start to really enjoy the work, which frankly is what I believe happened with me with nursing. Now, I just, I read that book like 20 years after I became a nurse, yeah. um, but I, I really do think that there's a lot to that philosophy. And so, um, I, I, I say that because with um, nursing leadership and understanding that that truly is a specialty, the more you learn and the more competent and proficient you become at those leadership skills, the more you enjoy that work. Right. 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 Well, and as you kind of even said is, you know, for even like there's tons of, of books and so much data that's available uh, to kind of even start becoming an expert and just learning more, even in your specialty to, to help make those kind of, um, you know, process improvements or implementation improvements um, to, you know, like that, that are available, you know, how do you, how do you, when you are like, you, like we can keep using medical memory as an example or different things. How do you go about, okay, so now you have the business case. Now you have the data. Um, you're wanting to try something new, especially like video recording. And that's, how do you go about when people then um, are resistant or nurses are resistant or even even the other way, leadership was more resistant? How do you break down those barriers, um, knowing the research, knowing the data, knowing what you're trying to do? Great. We got it all buttoned up. But how do you how do you how do you how do you handle those type of situations? And, and you will get resistance. Um, um you know that even with any type of change management, you're any change, you're going to get resistance. I mean, it can be the best. Um, I mean, it can be at personal level, right? I, I want, I need to lose weight. I need to have a healthier lifestyle. I know that's what I want. It's still hard. So there's always going to be resistance, right? So um, with, with, um, but just like with dieting, where I understand why I want to do it and I own it that's the same thing with any kind of change is that you can't have that change can't be in a vacuum it can't just be me in my office this is what we're going to do and then go out and do the change just like i owned the diet plan my healthy lifestyle plan you have to get the team to own the change process right. because then when it gets hard the team owns it we can still work our way through it and so what i mean by that is for example, with um, right making the business case for quality. So if I'm looking for funding, I need to be able to make the business case with the finance folks so they own the change. I'm actually doing a change here right now that I want. And that was the first thing that I did was I went to um, the finance folks and explained what I wanted, right? My reason for action, yeah. like why am I doing it? Um, where we're at right now, where we'd like to be. Right. And then where my gaps are. And so, you know, this is one of the things that I think we can close the gap on. Um, and so once I'm able to partner with the CFO and his team, then I also am talking to my nurse leaders. We bring in some staff nurses as well, because we need everybody to own this process. So we kind of talk about the why um, we want to do this and hear what they have to say. And then I can bring up, well, again, here is what um, here, and they can help with here's the why, the reason for action. I can give them the data for the current state. Here's where we'd like to be. 
they all help with gaps. Here's a process. Most, yeah. I've never had a position where when we looked in, when I bring in the team to bring the gaps, if we've already started looking at the data or even when the folks, you know, when the team starts to look at the evidence, look at data, um, that, right, if we're looking for evidence-based practice, then we're all going we'll to, we'll get to what we all want, right? right. And right. we all own it. But you have to bring those folks in early. You can't go to somebody, you know, think about that, right? My husband comes to me and says, Tanya, you need to lose weight. Yeah. A whole different story than <laughs> I say, oh, I need to lose weight, right? Yeah. yeah. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Right. So for when even like, okay, you're going to nursing leaders or, or, and someone's like, well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is going to work. Or I don't think, I mean, I guess that's what you're saying is that's why you have the data to support it. And like, yes. this is what we're testing. This is yes. where it's shown before. No. Like, but even when you tell people like, well, there's another way or we couldn't do it. I mean, how do you kind of get them even to be on board to, to own it or, or say, well, let's at least try it. Or, or how do you kind of go about that with, with, yeah. with even the, those strugglers or ones that say, yes, no, what we'll do is, um, no, and because you will always have those. And yeah. so when you look at the gaps, there's usually lots of gaps, right? But we have to prioritize what we're going to do first. And so it doesn't mean that what they're recommending is any more correct than what you're recommending. Um, so what we usually do is we list the, um, the gaps and uh, we do a PDSA, right? Um, process. We, we look at, uh, we do a cycle of, of change. And I think of it really, um, I, I, actually I use this as an example all the time. I think about the, you know, the iPhone, right? Because what the iPhone did for us and the reason we're on like, you know, what is an iPhone 13 now? They gave us an iPhone that was good enough. And then we all said, let's, you know, we want this, we want that. Then they go back, they give us something that's better. Here's yeah. our iPhone too. So that's why it's always a cycle. It's not, you know, it's not, here's the change, boom, we're done. It's always a cycle. And so sometimes in, in healthcare, especially we want um, the solution right away. Yeah. And what I remind people is it's a cycle. So yeah. we start with this, we get incrementally better, right? Now let's add this next part yeah, yeah, and get yeah. incrementally better because we're always trying. And that's why that, um, you know, perfection versus um, excellence. If you shoot for excellence, you can continue to get improvement. You shoot for only perfection. People tend to get really frustrated because how, how often can you get to perfection right. every day? Right. And I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier is it, it truly is a practice. And, and as you're even describing yes. that is, okay, great. This was phase one. Now let's go back. Let's phase two. Let's go back. Like, let's continue to, to, to strengthen and improve. But you know, we, it's a practice. We're not going to always just have it like immediately, like this is the magic bullet. Cause if exactly. we found the magic bullet, that would be easier. <laughs> and it's, it's like everything in healthcare, right? Everything in healthcare changes, right? Yeah. We hope it's always improving. It's always evolving, evolving. Um, people are not stagnant. So they are going to continue to change. So we have to continue to evolve and change as well. Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. Well, thank you um, for, for all of all of your intellect and all of your experience, um, especially as you helped, you know, with medical memory, kind of getting those things through. But I think you bring up kind of, again, back to those three things of, you know, making a business case, speaking to the why, and then really keeping that patient at, at the center as yeah. you're kind of planning things out. Um, and I think that that is, um, great advice for anyone looking at, at implementing, well, not even necessarily in a hospital, just <laughs> in anything. And I, you know, I know, um, like a lot of people kind of thinking about that and those, 
those simple steps is, okay, great. Now I have kind of a, a plan of, of action, if you will, um, mm-hmm. to kind of help support change in, in those things. So um, yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to be on our call today. Is there anything kind of you want to add as far as the last nugget? I don't think so. I think you kind of wrapped it up for me, but I appreciate having the opportunity to be able to present some of my thoughts. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, great. Well, thanks again and have a good rest of rest of your day. Thanks. You too.